Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. Well, there was smoke because there is indeed a fire, and now the PJ Tour has a full-blown inferno on its hands after weeks of speculation and non-denials from Rom, John Rom, and his management team. The reigning Masters champion has joined Live Golf in a move, Rex, that is sure to shake up the industry and make the remaining few weeks of 2023 even more compelling. There is so much to get to here, but I first want to start off the top. A great suit, a great tie. Uh, what is your initial reaction? Uh, I don't think we were surprised because we've been hearing this for two weeks now. And you say non-response. There was no response because nothing was coming from the Ron Rom camp. And you get an idea. He, he actually met with reporters about an hour before this was announced. And I was kind of taken by how relaxed he was. Like clearly he had come to peace with this, but he did get a little, I don't even want to say rattled. He got agitated with me. If you can believe that I know how difficult that is for you to probably wrap your mind around. He did get a little agitated when I was kind of trying to nail him down on when did you come to this decision? Because we've been bouncing back and forth now for, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks. I mean, you, you tell me what you think is, the proper number. And he pushed back a little bit and said that, look, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And let's just say essentially today. And keep in mind, he was in New York City. He was clearly surrounded by live golf folks. And uh, my guess is he'd been wrestling with this for a long time. And it, it clearly came down to money. He admitted as much. And even though he had said so many things in the past that he was he wanted to be loyal to the PGA Tour, that he didn't like the format of live golf, all of those things he said, eventually he got a number that was enough for him to ignore all of those things he said i mean you said that it wasn't a surprise just because we've heard it uh so much I mean, over the past you really surprised weeks. i mean you, but you if be you surprised if you step back and you told me six months ago would it surprise you that on december 7th 2023 john rom was going to leave the pj tour john rom the presumptive pj tour player of the year although that vote could certainly uh yeah. go differently now uh, with the balance currently out and not do until next week that the presumptive PJ tour player of the year, and the reigning masters champion would leave for live golf after live golf was denied official world ranking points uh, while the PJ tour and the PIF are in the midst of these negotiations. Yes, I would be surprised. This is a stunning about face from a player who has been, if not pledging his fealty to the PJ tour, he has at least been, I would say apolitical, about this whole thing. And, you know, many have, have pointed to the, the moment at Riviera in 2022 uh, when, he, when he tossed out the fealty line. But, like, I would even throw that away. Like, so much has actually happened in the past six months. I, I don't think any player should be faulted for shifting their loyalties when the leadership of the PJ Tour betrayed a lot of these players' trust. As recently as August, Rex, John Rahm laughed off some of these rumors. He said that $400 million wouldn't change his life. He said he didn't like the format. He said Phil Mickelson himself... He told him multiple times that he had no reason to leave for live. He said he's only interested in playing against the past best players in the world. And so when you have a player like John Rom, who has always had a keen sense of history, of playing for tradition, uh, for history, for legacy, for him to leave, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, this is a startling move and shakes the PJ Tour to its core. You said fealty and made me laugh because I, I said the word on Golf Central tonight and then I immediately started leaking confidence because you and I have batted it back and forth. And I immediately, oh, it's, it's fealty. I, I just ran away from it. Uh, he pledged his feel, uh, 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 loyalty to the PGA Tour. You just immediately get scared. You start leaking confidence. You, it was a full-scale interrogation that I thought you handled quite well on Golf Central. Uh, breaking news. 
Uh, they had you up there about for about 12 minutes. Uh, the bandage, That's obviously. exactly looks... how long they wanted me. So you think it was 12 minutes? I was curious how long it was. I was told I think, you got I think, 12 minutes. I think it was actually eight. But, I mean, you had the, the bandage was fresh. Yeah. Um, so I, I, think, I think it was a very good hit. I don't need it for this. So you can see it doesn't look terrible, right? No, you're just keeping it on like to like the old school Nelly. No, I, I'm keeping Nelly, it on. Like country country grammar days. He had the, the Band-Aid. No, it can't be in the sun. Uh, I, I guess you're right. I guess this is being inside the machine and hearing about it for so long that I just get numb to the idea. If you would have told me a month ago that any player, any top player, was going to leave the PGA Tour at this point before December 31st, I would have told you that was silly because it didn't make any sense. Why would you not wait until whatever is going to happen between the PGA Tour and the public investment fund and some other private equity, just let that play out, man, and decide, okay, this is this is for me or this isn't for me. It's clear that he was given that offer that, number one, they probably weren't going to wait until December 31st. They probably wanted this. It was clear this is a leverage play by the public investment fund to get the PGA Tour back to the negotiating table. So he was probably highly motivated to make the move right now. And I think we discussed this last week. Like, in retrospect, of course this is what the public investment fund and its governor would do because this was this is a negotiation like trump card. You throw this out there at this moment in time and you say, okay, you don't want to negotiate with us. You don't want to play ball with us. I just want you to know that it's only going to get uglier from here. And keep in mind, they're expanding. It's going to be a 13th team. So there's going to be three more players who are going to join him. And I can guarantee you they're not all coming from that promotions event that's going on. He's going to go and poach someone else off the PGA Tour. And I think it was Johnson Wagner who came on Golf Central right after I did. Who And look, Johnson Wagner has been in these meetings. He was on the policy, He was a player director on the policy board. And he knows sort of the gravity of the situation. And his word was scared. He's scared for the PGA Tour because of what this means. It's obvious at this point in time that the PIF and Live Golf is not going away. The PGA Tour is going to have to find a way to make this agreement work between the two sides because I don't think they had been working in that direction until now. Actually, you were part of the uh, select group of golf media that was invited to a conference call ahead of the John Rum announcement that he was going to live, and then he sported a Letterman's jacket <laughs> on Fox News. Max Homa that was uh, pre- cool. actually predicted yeah. that was going on. We can we can get you one of those. Obviously, you'd be uh, a medium uh, in size. And I was I was very interested to see what John Rom was going to say because other moves, other player moves to live, I think could have been easily explained away, right? Like Brooks Kepka's career was in doubt because of injury. The, the old European guard was kind of at the end of the line. Dustin Johnson kind of just DGAF. But this, like, the most reasonable explanation for John Rahm is is money, is the fact that he's represented by the same management firm. He looked up to Sergio Garcia growing up. Uh, he has a lot of friends and family back home uh, that he's always seemed keen to take care of. I think he has very influential voices in his life now, not just in golf, but in the sports world. He's very close to J.J. Watt. You remember the former NFL defensive end. Uh, I found it interesting. I found his tweet uh, from a week or two ago when he said that he would, quote, drive to Rom's house himself and use extreme physical force to ensure that he signed a deal that would bank him upwards of $600 million. So I'm sure Rom has had that in the back of his mind as well over the past couple of months. When you look at the the, ex, the explanations, we're, we're going to throw money. Like, if it's $500 million, like, obviously, that is a, a ridiculous sum of money. But let's dive into this this bargaining ploy, if you're the PIF. How likely do you think that this this is just the Saudis, as you said in October, 
at the Doral Live Team Championship that this is just them doubling down and basically forcing the PJ Tour to come to terms. Oh, I'm, I'm sure this is exactly what this is. And look, I'm sure they wanted John, John Rahm all along. I mean, I've been told that there's two players on their list that they absolutely want. John Rahm is one, Hideki Matsuyama is the other one. And it's clear they've had discussions with Rahm and his team prior to this. I mean, I'm sure he was one of the players they talked to right out of the gates when they were trying to sign teams. And they couldn't come to some sort of agreement. It got to the point where it made more sense for the public investment fund and Lib Golf to give John Rom what he wanted and whatever that number is. I think the number they used on Golf Central tonight was somewhere around $560 million, which is, I mean, that's stupid monopoly money at this point. So if that was the number that it was going to take him to go at this point in time, as I just pointed out, probably not the best time if you're trying to negotiate a deal on either side. If you're John Rom, you can pretty much get what you want at this point in time. And if you're the public investment fund, you're probably going to be motivated to give him whatever he wants, because nothing gets the PGA tour back to the table like this. I think this was always going to send a shock through the PGA tour. It's worth pointing out. I had been told. So the announcement came about 6 25 PM Eastern time. And I was told that the PGA tour would have a statement ASAP was what I was told by official over there. We still have, we think we thank John for his years of service. Uh, and here's your gold watch. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think it's telling that we still haven't seen a statement from the PGA Tour because this is going to take a minute. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of folks in Ponte Vedra are going to have long nights because they're going to be answering a lot of calls and answering a lot of texts because it's going to shake the membership. It's going to shake everything they're trying to do. This was that trump card that they needed. This is what they needed to get the PGA Tour back to the table and to negotiate. And I don't even want to say good faith. Because that one's going to turn into a lawsuit. And I, I just don't even want to go down that road. It gets the PGA Tour back to a point where, and I think we talked about this last week, the best case scenario for everyone involved is for the PGA Tour to come up with some sort of agreement with the public investment fund and some other private equity. Whichever the three that are remaining that they choose, that that covers every basis. Like all the problems, all the issues that the PGA Tour has right now, that's the answer, whether if they like it or not. And I would strongly encourage everyone to go to golfchannel.com. Uh, you did a good piece, I believe, it was on Monday. The pros and cons and the various oh. options. Uh, I think I think the options uh, after this ROM deal have been winnowed. I I can't I can't shake the the feeling, Rex. Like if you're the Saudis, this was an absolute masterstroke because you either just negotiated more favorable terms with this proposed merger and applied some serious pressure on the tour to acquiesce to your demands, or or you just secured a 29-year-old superstar in his prime and boosted the prospects of your own league. Like, I totally get that from the PIF, from the Saudi, from the live perspective. For, for Rom, though, it's just such a head-scratcher because, as I mentioned, he's been so apolitical about the whole thing over the past year. But at the same time, if you're going to secure a massive signing bonus for jumping, and obviously there would be one, before December 31st, and when this deal, uh, at least according to the framework agreement, needs to be consummated. And you're in the majors for at least the next five years. He's in the U.S. Open until 2031. He's in the Masters for life. And the PIF and the PGA Tour might be in business anyway, beginning potentially as early as in 2024. Then why not go? Why not go right now before the sides eventually strike a deal? You would presumably pocket a significant portion of that you know reported 550 million dollar deal 
just for being kind of a kingmaker and and kind of reshaping the landscape, so to speak. Uh, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate on that one. Sorry, my dog is losing his mind down there. Apparently not a big fan of John Rom. Um, just to play devil's advocate, I will throw it out there that, yes, you can imagine a scenario that on December 31st, they announced some sort of agreement that makes everyone on the same team. And you're right. I mean, people would look at John Rom in that scenario and be like, man, like, he, he, he hit the lottery. Like, good for him. Like, he, he absolutely went at the right time. There's also a scenario where the tour doubles down. Where and look, I don't think that's the best case scenario. I think we can get into a bigger. What, what leverage? What leverage do they have? Uh, they don't. Uh, other than, I mean, look, there's, there's private equity that's interested, and clearly that's the way they would rather go. I, I don't think that's speaking out of bounds on this. That if 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 the public investment fund felt motivated to pay John Rom his king's ransom to whatever it was going to take to get him to live golf, clearly they felt like it was important to get the PGA Tour back to the table. And this is going to do that. However, there is a universe where we get to December 31st and everyone goes their separate ways. The tour decides to go with whichever one of those three private equity that they've chosen. And they're going to double down and decide that we can compete against Live Golf long term with this investment. And then Live Golf going to do the same thing going in the other direction. And John Rahm's in the same boat that really all, all of the players over there are. You're not going to get world ranking points. And yes, he has the majors, all of the majors and the Masters lifetime. But eventually, as we've seen, for every player that's gone over there, those world rankings just bottom out. And you start plummeting down that list. And suddenly, we're not even having conversations about Cam Smith anymore. I mean, think about where we were a year ago. And now he's dropped outside the top 50. And he's talking about trying to qualify for other majors. So it, the Ryder Cup's important to him. All of these things are important to him. This was not risk-free. But if we're talking about $560 million, which is the reported figure, I mean, that's why you step to the table. They call it gambling for a reason, man. But how, how much do you think, Rex, this had to do with ego? He's always had, I would call it, a, a simmering relationship with Rory. Like, I think back to the 2022 Tour Championship when he was asked about uh, kind of the schedule and having to play some European Tour minimums. Like, you'll say, you know, you have to ask Rory and Tiger. Those are the guys who kind of know. It was, it was kind of dismissive in nature, kind of frustrated in nature. I think back to the Ryder Cup this year. Uh, I believe it was 20-something minutes before John Rahm, uh, one of the best players in the world, was even asked a question uh, during what was another European Ryder Cup victory. And it was kind of the Rory and Luke Donald show. And you could kind of tell he was a little bit annoyed by that. No doubt that John Rahm is not the most popular player on the PGA Tour. No doubt he's not marketed as aggressively as a Rory McIlroy. No doubt John Rahm is not the face of the Tour, even at 29, even with 11 PGA Tour wins, even with... Uh, two major championship victories, even with, I, I I believe at least, the trajectory to become quite possibly the greatest European player of all time. He now has a chance, Rex, with Live Golf to be that alpha, to be the face of the league, to have, you know, league officials kind of bending at his will and listening to some of his demands. If he wants to tweak the format, any other grandiose ideas he has, of how to improve the product. How much do you think that was appealing to him as a player who most likely was not going to make those inroads with a tour that has seemingly been dominated by Tiger and Rory? To put my journalistic hat on, first and foremost, he was asked point blank about that tonight when he met with reporters, and he dismissed the idea that this had anything to do with the idea that Tiger and Rory are essentially running the show on the PGA Tour, that whatever direction the tour wants to go from here, it's their direction that they've 
pre—it's been preordained. He dismissed that idea. That's the journalistic hat. That's what he said. I'm going to go the other way and do a little reckless speculation here because I really think what we've heard over the <laughs> yes, reckless. Please be reckless. We haven't had enough of that today over the last two weeks. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that yes, he he wasn't happy with being that guy on the outside. I mean, I've been told by people specifically who kind of have an idea of how these negotiations went, that he wanted more money than whatever it is they were going to offer Rory McIlroy, which, I mean, that's like a, that's like some sort it's of petty. deal you hear in the NBA. It sounds, like, it, it, it sounds I, I don't even know if petty's the right word. Well, it's I mean, like if, if Harden, if Harden's making a hundred million dollars, I, yes. I need to get, I need to get 125. Yeah. So I think that's what you start talking about here. And I, I don't, again, I don't know if petty's the right word, but clearly he wasn't on the same page as them. I, I would, I would push back a little bit on the idea that he's going to show up and suddenly become the alpha on live golf because as great of a player as he is. And look, I think Brandel did a really good job. Brandel was breathless tonight on golf central. I would recommend everyone to go see that, that clip. That was, that was all time right there. Uh, even Brandel pointed out, this is a generational player. Like this isn't, I mean, you can kind of go down the list of the players who've left to go to live golf. This isn't, and I, I'm going to throw someone under the bus, Bubba Watson. Like who was a good player? Bubba just made a huge trade. He made a huge trade on Thursday. Yeah, there was he's, a lot of movement today for Live Golf. I would not more, want to be on their PR staff. This he's afternoon. more general manager now than than two time Masters than actually player. Um, th this is a generational player. I mean, you're right. He could go down to become the greatest European ever to participate to play the game, and I think that in the back of his mind was part of this motivation that maybe this does separate him from that. But that being said, he's not the guy you want to put on the poster. I mean, he's not the guy you want to march out in every press conference because let's face it, he's Why not, not? fuzzy. He's a big bear of a man, and he doesn't like to get certain questions. Really, he's one of the, he's one of the best interviews on the PGA Tour. Yes, he might he might no, absolutely rip I your head off. One of them, but he, he will he rip is, your head off. He is yes, but he is, I find him thoughtful. I find him introspective. I find him well researched. I find him incredibly intelligent. If you were live, you would absolutely be smart in trotting him out each and every single time he plays. He is he I is find, right now by far their greatest asset. I find him very thoughtful. And if you ask him something that he's passionate about, I've been blown away time and time again with the answers where he's actually thought, like I remember talking with his manager about, it was at the American Express this year. And someone asked him about his notebook and what he writes down after every round. And it has nothing to do with, like this isn't a Matt Fitzpatrick golf nerd stuff, Masters, and it seems apropos. Um, this isn't a, 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 a Matt Fitzpatrick thing where he's a golf nerd writing down seven irons and birdies and fairways hit. This is him writing down his deepest thoughts. I mean, this is a diary where, I mean, it's what we should all do, but to hear it from John Rom, this big bear of a man who can conquer the golf world blew me away. I'm talking more just from a pure marketing standpoint. He has gone on the record time and time again, saying that he doesn't like this format. And every time, He's going to sit on stage and talk about how much he loves the team format. He's going to get picked apart. So it's not a great ally for the, for live golf on that front. Everything else is perfect, but they, they probably need to be a little bit aware of the situations they put him in. What did you think then of his very first appearance for live golf? He seemed to fall right back into those familiar talking points where he's saying it's what's best for me and my family. He thought about, he talked about growing the game. Uh, he said he was enticed by the team aspect uh, I'd never heard of him say that before, uh, but he mentioned the Spanish Golf Federation growing up. He mentioned the time that he had uh, at Arizona State and now kind of getting back in that. You'd mentioned uh, on a non-podcast, on, on a regular old phone call with me uh, earlier today, like you don't necessarily think that he is a great fit for Liv. And I, 
I, I completely agree. You look at John Rahm, the ferocious competitor in live golf, which by all accounts has, has mostly been unserious competition. Like there, there's a, there's a big clash now. Now maybe does the, does the addition and the introduction of Rahm change the culture of live golf? Possibly, but that's going to take three to five years in my opinion to, to, to flush out the, the, the league mates who are has beens past their prime uncompetitive, just doing it for the money, that, that sort of thing. I'm not sure we're ever going to actually get to that point. I mean, you're assuming that they want that. Like you're assuming they want something closer to John Rom than what they have now. And I don't think that's a safe assumption. They, they like shotgun starts. They like loud music. They like shorts. Like, no, no I think they, I think Rom. they want to shift away from the fun and more into this team aspect. I, I think they want genuine rivalries of good competition between the range goats and smash and uh, four aces. I want to find, find a balance, but they don't want to get away from the fun. They need to find no, a way like this to, is never going to be history shaping. The yeah, they're never going to have history shaping stakes, right? Like it's a 54 hole live competition. It's not going to go in your Wikipedia results when you're, when you're dead and gone. But like, I, I still think they want to get more serious than they are right now. Uh, maybe. And he would be the guy to do it. And again, this isn't anything against him. He's just not that fun guy. Like I've, I've done a couple of live events and it is fun being on the range with Harold Varner and Pat Perez. I mean, cause they're leaning into the fun. Like they, they love the hijinks and they love the music and they, they like wearing shorts and only playing 14 times a year. I, John's not that guy. So I, I guess to your point, if they want some sort of rivalry or they want to make this a serious competition, I guess he would be the road to do it, but it's They're going to have to walk a fine line if that's what they're looking for, because he's not going to like the other stuff. Like he's not going to be the one that's going to stand on stage and spray champagne on someone. He's probably more inclined to break someone over his knee. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very good graphic uh, and an image. <laughs> if we could actually get that in 2024, man, can we, can we, can we get that Fred? This is a emergency podcast. We'll be keeping it shorter than our traditional podcast, but I, I do think it's important Rex to dive or kind of, kind of zoom out a little bit, go 30,000 feet. And what does this mean? I'm not good. Randall Shambly. We just listened to him on golf central. Uh, he immediately followed you on golf central. He did not think that this was a huge blow for the PGA tour, that this was something that the PGA tour could weather in the very next segment. Johnson Wagner said that he is scared for the future of the PGA tour. I fall probably somewhere in the middle of those two. How about you? What do you think that this actually means? Uh, I think it means that the PGA Tour needs to rethink the way they were going with these negotiations. I don't think that uh, – well, I'm not stepping out of bounds here when I say that whatever it is that's transpired over the last two weeks will change the tour's thinking. And I, I do think it's safe to say that the PGA Tour was clearly leaning in the direction of private equity. This is going to force them to look closer – at the public investment fund. And again, I would argue. So wait, so just to put it, just, just to put a, just to put a pin in that Rex, awesome. are you saying, are you saying that the PJ tour completely dismissed the possibility that the PIF could have, could have added a player of Rom's caliber. Like it didn't even cross their mind that the PIF could be irritated by the fact that they're, that they're seem, seemingly poised to be left out in the cold and that the tour is just going to go with private equity money. Did, do you think it didn't even cross their mind that this was a possibility? 
Uh, Richie Lerner was incredulous during Golf Central because he asked me why why would the tour take the no poaching clause out of the June 6th uh, had to. agreement? They had to. That's what I tried to explain without being condescending. I, I don't think I pulled it off very well, but it was, well, Richie, it's because the Department of Justice didn't like that. And when the DOJ doesn't like something, normally they're going to get their way, particularly when you're being investigated by the Department of Justice. And I think on this case, the tour probably was operating under the idea that as long as we were talking, as long as there was some sort of conversation going between the two, that they were going to call a timeout. That even though it wasn't written into the agreement, they had sort of agreed to it in theory beforehand. They took it out, and they, I'm sure that there was some sort of thought that they, they would honor that agreement even as a handshake agreement. I think where they probably misjudged this, uh, as they leaned in the other direction, as they leaned towards private equity, that all you did was entrench the public investment fund. All you did was make them want to double down that much more. And you you pretty much led them probably to John Rome's doorstep where he was waiting with a big truckload of money. And yep, if you want to fill this truckload up, I'll come over and I'll, I'll do your bidding for you because that's essentially what's going on here. And I'm not trying to, I, I love the idea that, and I think Brandel said this on Golf Central earlier tonight, that everyone has a price and it takes someone with exceptionally high morals to, to dismiss that price. I don't know that person. Maybe that person is out there. Maybe it's Rory. We thought that was we thought that was John Rom. If you we thought it was John Rom from clips over the past two years, we thought that player was John Rom, who said four hundred million dollars would not change his life, who seemed to have this big picture perspective. But apparently, five hundred sixty million will change his life. Who knew? Yeah. It was just an accounting error. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I, I just can't. I, I just can't. Like, I think it's disingenuous of anyone to say that this is not a seismic move. Like, I think it's disingenuous of anyone to say that this isn't a crippling bro blow for the PGA Tour. This this was a guy who quite literally two weeks ago was ranked third in the PGA Tour's own metrics of their most powerful and influential players in, in the PIP. Now, now, does this aid Liv in some small way? Is this now a win for Liv? Yeah, like they now have three of the past five uh, major champions, although I'm not sure that John Rahm will necessarily shift the dynamics of a league that has struggled to attract sponsors, struggle to attract any sort of viewership, you know, eight of their 14 events in 2024 are going to be international. And, and as we just talked about kind of the unserious competition, like they just had a, a trade on Thursday in which Matthew Wolf, the, the enigmatic former superstar of the PGA tour, who was on Brooks Kepka's teams got traded straight up for 2023 live individual champion, Taylor Gooch straight up. Like that is a deal that you, you like and that? I, We'll be vetoing in our fantasy. Football that sounds like league. the kind of trade you would throw at me in our fantasy league. Actually, that sounds like it the is kind of nonsense. You would absolutely throw in my direction. And except you would have just deleted it and sent it to your inbox. And I made it to the playoffs, except, and you did. Except you're Moving trash. On. Uh, yes. Uh, well, that's a that's a topic for another conversation. But I think I, I think I think mostly. So like it's a clipping blow for the tour. I think it's a slight win for Liv. But I think I think mostly Rex. Like we're it we're we're hurting the fans. Like we're further away from a point now where the best players in the world are together more often. You know, unless somehow this is the impetus to strike a deal. You know, in 2024, we're arguably going to be more fractured than we've ever been before. Like, a sport is essentially cannibalizing itself by rendering the regular season unimportant when you don't have the best players in the world at your tournaments competing together more often. Like, the majors are going to be the only thing that matters. And then all of a sudden professional golf looks a whole lot like 
professional tennis. I think that's I think that's what it means right now that we're in a we're in a dangerous spot for the sport where unless this is somehow an impetus for a deal to merge and all of a sudden you get the best PGA Tour players and the best live players playing in something that looks uh, shockingly similar to the signature events on the PGA Tour, I don't see how this is possibly a win for for golf fans. Uh, crippling blow seems a bit much. I wouldn't go that far. And uh, he's but, third in the tour's own metrics. This is a generational player, quite possibly I mean, the greatest let, European, European player now. ever. Well, let's let's say it all stopped now, and when we're just going product to product, head to head. Certainly in the United States, I would still argue that the PGA Tour has the advantage. Now, but it's we, not going to stop. That's we, that's, we, that's well, well, that's where yeah. So I think that's where you start having this conversation. Who are going to be the three other players? on his team. Are you just going to pick up three guys off that promotions event? Is it going to be more of those awful trades that don't make any sense to me? The, the kind of stuff you sent, you always pollute my mailbox with. So w- what are we going to be looking for here? If he goes after, uh, we've heard rumors of players. Can you see him? Oh, good evening. Yeah. He's had enough of you. Good this. evening, sir. He's had enough of this nonsense uh, for the audio audience. My dog is, has gotten to the point where now he wants to physically be in the shot. So he, he wants TV time for himself. Uh, I will I will actually frame this a different way. When this story is written, whenever it is, five years from now, 10 years from now, this could be the seminal moment when the PGA Tour realized that as much as we want, as much as we don't want to be in business with the public investment fund, as much as that doesn't fit with what we're trying to do, that this was the moment when they decided that, look, we can't fight this. Like this is this is the perfect example that they're just going to keep coming after us, that they're not public investment funds, not going to get bored. They're not going to get tired of losing money. They're not going to get tired of pouring, not millions, billions of dollars into this thing. And that we have to find a way to all work together. It could be that flexion point, that point in time when everything just coalesced and Jay Monahan sits at his desk and realizes I've got to fly to Riyadh and I've got to sit down with the governor of the public investment fund and figure this out. Maybe not, but I think that's an option. It certainly feels, I, I'm totally in agreement with you. This feels mm. like an inflection oh, point that the tour has to make a deal now with the PIF or it could lead to another play, player exodus. Like if, if a player like John Rahm, who has always valued the history and tradition and legacy, who the PGA Tour could count on to play elite level competition, wanting to, to test himself against the best players in the world, if he can decide to leave, why shouldn't the others? Like the moral argument is completely gone after the tour announced that he was even going to look into partnering with the Saudis. I don't think the tour has any choice but to try and re- reintegrate the live players back onto the PGA Tour. I have no idea what that actually looks like. I always thought it could be some sort of you know, silly season in the fall. I thought maybe you could sprinkle uh, live events throughout the tour schedule, similar to what the Aramco series is. For ladies European tour. Uh, I think the best bet now, Rex, is to just make the the signature events on the PG Tour open to the best players on Live and the best players on the PJ Tour. That would give you the blend of both tours. It would guarantee you have the best players in all of those fields. It would at least uh somewhat justify the inflated price tag that you have for those events. And then probably not in 2024. I think that's a little bit too soon probably 2025 and beyond, you could still have that team competition that Liv is known for. So you'd have the individual component. You'd still win kind of prestigious title at Riviera. Tiger Woods could still hand you the trophy. And you also have 
you know, the, the crushers or whoever claimed the team event uh, going on concurrently. I pulled that one out of the databank. Yeah, that was good. You had to think about that one for a minute. I don't know. Smash. Someone. I think, I think that's where we're eventually heading is kind of this worldwide tour where it's merged and it's the signature event model for the best players in the world. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I think Joe Ogilvy, uh, who the former tour player, spent time, a lot of time on the policy board. Really, really smart guy. I think he tweeted this the other day. And there's a gravitational pull towards a world tour. And I think there's something to that. I, I think what we're going to end up with is some version of what you just outlined. And whether if that's – and I had I had people mention this to me when I was at Doral, at their team championship, where you can come up with a way to give – let's say you give the PGA Tour two teams, and there's still real estate to give the PGA Tour two or even three teams if they wanted to. And that's that's your equity in Live Golf, and that's – so now you have three PGA Tour teams and whatever is left of the rest, so it would be nine Live Golf teams. Let them compete. You're right. Let the Live Golf players come over and play the signature events and the majors – and that seems to me the easiest way to make this whole again. Now, there's still a lot of other questions like you're not going to allow Phil Mickelson and even John Rahm at this level come back. I mean, unscathed, like there has to be some sort of entry point, And that's a larger conversation. John, John Rahm hasn't even hit a shot. Technically, he's not suspended. He's you're not, right. He's no, you're right. He's resign his PJ right. Tour card. And, Te- and look, technically, he could defend his title at Kapalua. He has not. Uh, he's not in the field. Uh, he's, nor is he in the field at the American Express. And and it also was something. I mean, once you get into the semantics, we were talking about like the Ryder Cup was a big part of this equation because clearly, that's important to John Rahm. As, as it stands right now, you had one live player who has gone back to the DP World Tour. So it's not as though there's not a path back. There's not as though their regulations don't provide for some sort of opportunity for John Rahm. So it remains to be seen. You're right. I don't think anything happens in 2024 but certainly we're getting to the point where the pga tour is probably going to have to come to the table and whatever agreement whatever pga tour enterprises is going to be going forward it seems more and more likely now that it's going to be a combo deal it's going to be the public investment fund and some other private equity we know you'll be all over the story as we barrel towards the end of 2023 i'm old enough to remember rex when the biggest news in December used to be Tiger's appearance at the Hero Bowl Challenge and also like Bubba Watson's switch from Titleist to Volvic Golf Ball. Like that was considered controversy in the month of December for the golf season. Instead, we're getting Tiger's, Tiger's appearance at the Hero as well as the rollback announcement on Wednesday, which you and I covered in last week's podcast. And now the seismic shift in the pro golf landscape. Your Sasha's figure is up. Please. Is there a statement from the PGA Tour? There is. Very good. Way to go. Uh, It came in at 734. It is now 737 our time. And the statement from the PGA Tour is our focus remains on the PGA Tour and unifying the game for our fans and players. We can't speak for decisions that any individual players might make, but based on the momentum of the past season and strength of the PGA Tour, along with the accelerated interest from and negotiations with a number of outside investors, we're in a position to make our players equity owners and further allow the tour to invest in our members, invest in our fans and continue to lead men's professional golf going forward. As far as reading goes, that was pretty good. I mean, I can yeah. I did not stumble once. Uh, I would take exception with one, with one word that was used in that statement, Rex, their goal is to unify. If they're going the private equity route, which by all indica- indications they were before the, before the piff and live fire the shot across the bow, they would not be unifying the sport. They would basically just be 
enriching the PGA Tour and continuing down the separate tracks from Liv, this announcement, in my opinion, Rom's defection, uh, should be that impetus towards unification. What say you? I just saw a, a tweet that responded to something I do. In in the avatar is the Georgia Bulldog, and the name of the account is Aim in Corner. Is that you? That that's no. your that that's your burner, isn't it? That's my burner. I mean, I might as well have a burner. I haven't sent out tweets since October one. That would be such a good burner for you. Need that blue check back. Need that blue check. If, I don't if, want if, it. If, no, if, I'm totally no, happy with it. We've had I this want it. I want it if, it if for nothing else nope. than to have tweet deck. Like I missed the continuous feed. I could just keep it up. I would have word uh, over on one side of the screen, but I kind of missed that nope. continuous thing. Perhaps, perhaps our bosses uh, will pay that eight dollars a month and get us that blue check mark back. Don't even Who want to expense it. I'm good. Fred, don't what, worry what, about what, it. What'd you make the tour statement? Uh, I mean, they're going to lean into the idea that wherever it is they're marching, that it's going to be best for the players. And that's where the equity grants come into play. And that, that opens up a note. That's a whole nother podcast that you and I can get into. I don't know at this point in time, if they can walk away from the public investment fund, like if they do, I'm with Johnson Wagner. I'm fearful for where we're headed because it's clear. They're just going to double down and they're just, they're just going to come after the next player and Rory aside, like he is the one that seems to not have a number, but everyone else has a number. I mean, I think we learned anything. Everyone else has a number and eventually the public investment front. Can you two stop, please? Sorry. is going, is going to come after whatever player is going to motivate the PGA tour to go to the table. Did not think that of all the possible distractions of taping this podcast, at 7 p.m. Eastern time, that it wasn't my wife, it wasn't my dog, my dogs, it wasn't my cat, Terrible it dog. wasn't my two-year-old, it wasn't my soon-to-be five-year-old, it was your dog. In their but defense, you promised a mini pod. We're already rolling for thirty is, plus minutes. This is a thirty-seven, 30, now a thirty-eight-minute pod. This wasn't <laughs> this wasn't mini compared to what we could have talked about and how long we could have talked about it. Rex, I know you've had a long day. We will let you go at that point, but folks, make sure you go to NBCSports.com slash golf. We have so much on the site, not just about the ROM defection, but also the rollback news that dropped on Wednesday. It has been an absolutely jam-packed week in the world of golf. Rex and I will be back, hopefully not for an emergency podcast, barring some sort of uh, weird alliance that has been formed the next couple of days. Uh, otherwise, we will return to our regularly scheduled programming next week ahead of the PNC Championship, and we'll, di we'll dissect and break down any more fallout I guess playing what week. is a huge game-changing move in the world of golf. There's no doubt about it. But for Rex, I'm Lav. We'll see you next week. Thanks, as always, for listening to this Golf Central podcast with Rex and Lav. Yeah.